0: Welcome to episode seven of the More XR podcast. It's the latest in augmented reality to virtual reality and everything in between. And it's brought to you by More Insights and Strategy. I'm Anshel Sog, More Insights and Strategy Principal Analyst covering XR, 5G, smartphones, PC, cloud gaming, and much more. And this week we have Johan Hulqvist, VP and head of XR at Toby, to participate in a discussion about bringing eye tracking to the consumer market. Thanks very much for joining us, Johan.
1: Thank you very much, Angel. Great to be here again.
0: And I wanted to kick off this discussion kind of as a you know, starter, talking about how Tobii is arguably one of the most knowledgeable companies when it comes to eye tracking. And if you could tell us possibly you know, what the different ways are that Tobii supports eye tracking today.
1: Yeah, um, it's a, it's a good question because normally we talk about use cases and what you need eye tracking for. But if you put that aside, uh, beyond that, uh, we also uh, do support use case development. So we have a dev zone where we have a use case code example and libraries that can be downloaded for for free. Uh, we also see when when we have different devices, XR is pretty heterogeneous. So we do different eye trackers for different different devices. And and now we're we have uh, started to to launch with uh, pancake and folded optics design, and also true glasses. Uh, uh, type of, of AR AR form factors. That's one very important part, which is core to Another one is kind of how do you get access to eye tracking? So we've been driving the standardization of eye tracking in OpenXR. So we, there is a standard of, of, of gaze tracking right now. We're taking the next step to, to, to standardize how you do foveation for foveated rendering. Uh, we also work with partners like Nvidia and Qualcomm. Uh, we've done a lot of foveated, foveated rendering. L- lastly, we the last thing we did was with the Nvidia enabling VRSS2, which mm-hmm. is the first time that you can actually get foveated rendering without actually changing anything in the application. It's a driver level, uh, which is a huge thing for 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 eye tracking and, and foveated rendering. Uh, another thing is that we also work with ISVs and game studios to kind of help them and provide hero features um, and that we then kind of co-market with the OEMs and partners. Uh, and on top of the kind of the core eye tracking part, we also have additional middleware software for advanced analytics uh, that we sell uh, on top of, of our eye tracking offerings for high-end medical and ISV um, applications. Uh, and then uh, we also uh, have uh, the portion of, of transparency and privacy. So we're driving transparency policies uh, since eye tracking is a very powerful into our contracts, but also kind of advocating for it in, in the industry. So, I mean, it's, it's since you're market leader, you need to do a lot of things.
0: Yeah, I was gonna say, it's a lot more than just providing the hardware and, and, yeah. uh, and an SDK. I, I guess, you know, since eye tracking is is becoming more mainstream as part of the adoption of VR and AR headsets, what are some of the consumer-driven applications of eye-tracking compared to maybe what we're hearing on the enterprise side?
1: Yeah, so so one kind of the silver bullet since a long time is, is for the rendering. And, and that, that is the one that will drive consumer eye-tracking as well. But beyond kind of the, that part, which is kind of relatively known, uh, I think the, the main benefit for the device itself is... Uh, that eye tracking can enhance and make it easier to navigate and make it more natural to use your hand controllers. Uh, Eye tracking is all about giving and knowing uh, the user's attention. And if you know where the user is looking, then you can act on on what the user is looking. So that's super good when it comes to combining hand controllers or even gestures uh, and not to replace them, but to enhance them. Um, The other part is kind of the the current name of the game or, or hype right now, the metaverse where it's kind of, it's a lot about social interaction. And uh, one very, very important aspect is of course, where I'm looking, am I looking at your mouth? Am I looking at your eyes? Or am I looking further down? That has different meanings uh, if when you communicate. And that's what 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 eye tracking gives, apart from the animation part of, of, of your eyes. So I think that's something that will be more and more uh, important. Uh, another part that is, part of the device is you can use eye tracking to kind of uh, enhance uh, where you have the objects in, in space. So you can adopt any, any parallax differences from where you have your IPD on the device, whereas you have them in the reality. So when you start interacting with objects in a more natural way, that will become more and more uh, I- I- important. And then of course, uh, for uh, consumers, a lot of what's going on is, is uh, now is, is gameplay. Uh, and uh, the entrance of eye tracking into gaming will have a tremendous impact and we have a couple of examples on our end it could be selecting with your eyes if you're throwing something for example you don't know how heavy it is because you have an hand controller uh, so using your eyes to augment where you're throwing for example has been a, is, is one of the very very good examples or if you're if you're in pursuit, it's very difficult to pursuit with your head or with, with game controllers, especially if you're using the, the, the controllers and having eye tracking assist, that part of the gameplay uh, we think would be very important. Then of course, once the studio starts working with eye tracking for real, then there will be tons of different uh, other, other, other use cases.
0: And on that topic as a follow-up, I was kind of curious, do you see Eye tracking being a popular user interface. In addition to, you know, right now, if there is no hand tracking or controller, people use gaze. Right, but it's usually just a
1: head pose. It's not really a gaze. No, that's that's. I mean, you. You're, if you have for, if you have uh, controllerless, uh, you use your your head. And, and uh, right now, but but we've seen that if you if you use your eyes instead. You, I mean, that's what you do in your everyday life. You you don't. Point around with your head, uh, and the natural part is just look at something, and and then you can have a click or a dwell. I mean, we have we've been working with assistive devices for twenty years, uh, and there we use dwell for people who can't move, uh, which is sufficient. But for, for people who can move, you it's better to actually have a, have a click or or something subtle or a small gesture or a click on the headset. So so for leisure gameplay or for lesser usage is where you don't have eye tracking or uh, for sure also in AR eventually, then gaze will be super important because how do you give intent uh, if you don't know where you're looking? You, you, you don't want to have a pointer in your AR glasses uh, looking around. You just want to look at things and say, what is that? I think that those simple natural use cases that we take for granted in the real world, we have to translate into the to the 3D world as well.
0: Okay. And, what you know, one of the big discussions around eye tracking, um, you know, both in the enterprise and in consumer, but I think consumers are much more sensitive about this, is do you see eye tracking as an additional layer of security? You know, because right now someone can just grab a headset and put it on. And, you know, the only layer of security that exists today is, you know, put in a pin if you're buying something. But, you know, long term, do you see eye tracking as a Security feature?
1: I think yes and no. I mean, eye tracking um, is kind of deciding where you're looking, but based from the eye tracking system, you can decide what, what kind of user it is. Uh, and the, the easiest example is actually just uh, not necessarily security, but convenience is this uh, the same or a different user since last time and then loading the right profile. Uh, so that's kind of the entry level of, of use case just to have, have it more convenient, which I think is maybe um, in this case even more important. The next step is with an eye tracking system, you can do biometric uh, ID. Um, uh, and, and, but then you need, need to, to uh, pay attention to how you treat that data. Uh, so you have that in a secure way that you terminate images uh, as soon as possible in the device. So we never have Give access to anything beyond the the computed signals. Like there, there's no images, or so, that's always just terminated. So I think that will be, or is very important. So yes, eye tracking can provide additional value when it comes to both um, profile management and security.
0: Okay, and we talked about this a bit, but how do you see you know eye tracking in consumer products specifically? Um, evolving from where it is today because you know today it's very early um, and the use cases are are pretty simple but do you, are there use cases down the road that maybe um, will change over time?
1: Uh, I think if we look on what will change over time beyond the use cases is also how eye tracking will change over time and has have, have changed over time uh, for a couple of years uh, ago eye tracking was for researchers primarily uh, and then you had a you didn't uh, then we moved into deploying eye tracking in mass or in, in, in full production volume in the enterprise where we are now then then uh, all the use cases from simulation and training remote training uh, medical applications has been devolved, evolved but on top of that we also need to spread how, Many can use eye tracking, so we we kind of focus a lot on having population coverage and ease of use. That will be even more important when we move into to consumer, where you you can't have that it works for some and, and for some not. So for, for and that's that's kind of the next level of, of eye tracking that is coming coming now basically, and and we have 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 the capabilities from from that perspective uh, already. When it comes to new user application, it will be the good ones that we've seen in enterprise they will be very much uh, present in in, uh, in in consumer as well but then there will be the added like we talked about a little bit just on the previous question uh, on on interaction between users interaction between the device interaction within the application um and, and i think uh, when you come to augmented reality eventually that will be even even more so um, because there you you need to relate to the real world as well as the augmented world. And then eye tracking can kind of bridge that that portion quite a lot.
0: Interesting. So you you see in AR at least, eye tracking being the the HMI between the virtual world and the real world because people are less they're not going to have a mouse, they're not going to have a controller in a lot of situations.
1: Yeah, I, I think it will be a combination. I mean, in AR, I think gestures will be important, uh, but you don't want to wave around kind of like a lunatic. Uh, you, you want to do subtle gestures, small gestures, uh, or even click, there's click rings, for example. Right. Just looking somewhere and you, man, you do a small manipulation of, of where you're looking instead of reaching out, or if you're doing something that is beyond your reach, then eye tracking will be essential because you can't go around with hand controllers in 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 in, in, in AR. And I think what we've seen in the enterprise uh, is that uh, some users are pretty un uh, are, are, are not accustomed to hand controllers, and it's odd. And there we've seen a, a bigger demand of actually also in VR using VR without hand controllers. So so as long as you are kind of having controllers that are less and less complex, the more you need eye tracking to give focus, what what, what the hell are you, what, what do you want to do? <laughs> right. that's, that's that's easy to decide when you know where they're looking, but it can be very tricky otherwise.
0: And do you see like a combination of like, you know, for example, I'm thinking of mixed reality applications where um, like the Lynx headset where you have uh, hand tracking, right? So maybe you combine hand tracking with eye tracking so you know like there's a whole menu on your hand and based on which finger you're looking at, you can decide which menu option to choose.
1: Yeah. I I mean, absolutely. I think gesture and eye tracking is the perfect combo Um, because the problem with gesture is that you need to give context on what I'm trying to operate towards. Uh, And that, that context is what eye tracking gives. And you can also select with eye tracking. So if you have a, a complex environment for gestures that need to be very complex gesture uh, tracking, but uh, eye tracking to make that much easier because then you, you you get the context and you know the user's attention, and then you can have easier easier uh, gestures that ultimately will save power. So so not not only kind of complexity for the user, but also for power because you need less compute to do these complex uh, complex manipulations.
0: Okay, yeah, that makes sense. Um, You know, to follow up on one of the things that you said earlier, I was kind of curious about the idea of broadening uh, the types of users that can access eye tracking. What are you guys doing in the space to make that more accessible? Because it sounds like you're saying that there's a certain number of users that aren't going to be compatible today. What are you guys doing to make it more
1: compatible with more users? That's the only thing we do today. (laughs) <laughs> so so I, I think um, uh, so we have taken tremendous steps uh, right now we we, we, ha- we are at the point where we've tracked the full population uh, everyone we can track everyone basically uh, unless you have, have eye diseases uh, or, or real physical problems with, with your eyes um, one other aspect of the eye tracking is that the performance differs over a population so so if you want Uh, if you want especially consumer if you want to uh, design a graphical user interface or interaction you need to design it towards some metrics some 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 uh, uh, separation of object distances etc and for that we've 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 made a quite a big leap both in standardization but also to educate uh, market how you do measure eye tracking and what we are what we're working on is not to improve the performance for the very best or nicest looking uh, people from an eye tracker perspective, but from the, from the last contact, quanti- the, the worst performance, that's where we put our effort into make make them as good as possible, possible for, because they are the one driving what you can do with eye tracking. Uh, when it comes to foveation, then you can adapt the foveation or compression ratio depending on your individual eye tracking performance. But when it comes to user interaction, you can't. Then you need to have a uniform experience. You can't have one experience for some and another one for another people. So and that is what what, what what we work with the most and that we have major breakthroughs during the last years.
0: And when you optimize for the worst case scenario, it also improves
1: the best case scenario as well, right? Uh, yeah, a little bit, but uh, I don't care to be honest, because because uh, I rather trade a little bit worse peak performance for for some better performance on the worst performing parts, and and it it kind of for us it becomes uh, the main the main objective for us is to make it as even as possible. You don't want to have one experience for one person and a different experience for another one. That you can have in 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 research for sure. You right. can have that to a certain extent in enterprise, but in consumer, you can't. Uh, and and that's, where we, that's where we believe that we excel in combination with if you take the headset off and put it on, it needs to work without calibration or anything. It just Or if it slips a little bit, it needs to be. And that's the consumer grade. Cons, consumer is actually the absolute most difficult because they do lots of strange stuff and it's uncontrolled. And, and uh, our experience in that um, makes up us, we know that we can do it. So, so that is the major uh, big difference from going from enterprise to consumer.
0: So I, I guess, you know, as a follow-up to that, um, I'm kind of curious as to um, what might be challenges, in, you know, other than being able to support so many different types of users, what other challenges do you, encounter and consumer that you maybe don't encounter in enterprise and in research?
1: I think um, power consumption is another thing uh, where where if you have, but that's of course as applicable in some examples in, in enterprises. But if you, for example, if you have a standalone headset you, you do want to have as, as much battery time as possible. Um, and if you asked, Pull together a humongously big uh, neural network and do eye tracking, consuming all resources in the headset. It will just die in, 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 in five minutes. Okay. Uh, so we have kind of optimized, and we are running a, a, a mixed model. So we actually save power uh, if you run the headset with with four Giga run rate. Right. Uh, so 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 not only so so that's kind of an, an added benefit for, for the battery. Uh, so that is one of the things that is super important for for consumers. Another one that is a little bit more futuristic is uh, you can also use uh, foveation to compress when data is transferred from, for example, a cloud server to 5G connected headset in the future, and then saving bandwidth is saving money for either the telecom provider or for the user. So 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 those those non-interactive use cases will be very important for consumer uh, as well.
0: Okay, that makes sense. You know, I, 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 you know, thought about the whole idea of consumers uh, and their devices. And now that I think about, it, I, I always forget how much power savings you can do with foveated rendering and yeah. it compensates for whatever power consumption occurs in doing the, the eye tracking. But to your point, eye tracking has to be on all the time, so yeah, absolutely, um, power so, is super important.
1: Yeah, another one in AR is, for example, if you want to detect w- what's uh, what's happening around you, you have front-facing cameras doing detection on on on. Uh, if you look on a menu, you maybe want to translate it. You look on a sign, you may want want to know what that what, what that is. You look at on, on something, what it what is that? If you don't know where the user is looking, you will do loads of calculations. So uh, we call it foveated AI. can only calculate on AI or in recognition where you're actually is looking. That will also save a huge amount of, of compute power. Um, another thing that is important for consumer right now, we, we see a, a range of new type of headsets coming out. Um, so folded optics, for example, will give the VR much lighter. Uh, they have great visuals. Um, uh and 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 that would require a, a slightly different eye tracking approach than what, than what we have before uh, right. that is now a platform that we have launched um so we support pancake folded optics the same architecture you can actually use for uh, glasses kind of uh, looking AR devices it's the same it's the same application and now the components are so small so you can fit them in a normal pair of glasses so I think, that that is kind of the other aspect that is super important for consumers is it has to look good you can't look like a dork well you can but but not the average <clears still. throat> you, you and i maybe want to look like dorks but but since we love xr so much but the average Joe won't
0: that's a good point yeah and I, I think miniaturization is is a constant trend right um but i guess another thing when oems are, are designing is you know, cost right what is what is going down with the cost of eye tracking today versus where it was say five years ago
1: yeah it's it's a good question uh because cost has many aspects um we for example at toby we use an approach where we can use standard standard uh, components so you don't need kind of uh, tailored or special components we follow the, the kind of the standard CMOS trending sensors and, 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 and compute, which kind of, uh, optics doesn't follow Moore's law, law really, but it kind of at least becomes more, uh, much cheaper uh, depending on, on, on volume. And if you use standard components, those components will go down in price as they go up in volume, regardless of what, to, what Toby does. So that's one aspect. We also reduce the number of components. So before we had had two cameras per eye, we only have one camera per eye, or sensor per eye. Um, we also have a, a easier way to mount components, so it's cheaper to manufacture. Um, and then we've done it a lot of times. Um, so just yes, doing a mass market uh, and a volume deployment. Once is, is quite costly. The second one a little bit cheaper and so on. So we've kind of been there, done that in a way. So, so we, 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 we are pretty confident that eye tracking will, yeah, it's just, it's one of the subsystems that boom is less than $10. So it's uh it's not a huge uh, investment given that we actually also save power. So.
0: Right. Yeah. And I, you know, I, I will say that I've seen eye tracking prevalence in 2020, um, was was you know okay? There was there were some early uh, implementations, but 2021 was just one after another, and it feels like that momentum is probably going to continue into 2022. Um, and as we get into 2022, which sounds like it's going to be a very big year for a lot of reasons, um, I wanted to talk about the privacy side of things, which I think you touched on a little bit there, um, but I wanted to get a little bit more clarity about. How does Toby handle biometric data? Um, who has access to that data? And also maybe you can speak to what's going on in o- OpenXR around privacy and give some details on that.
1: Yeah, so no. So, so I mean, eye tracking is super powerful. Knowing where the user is, is looking is, is of course, uh, is very, very important data, not only for interaction, but you can do an, an, an analytics on it. Um, and, and that's, you need to be very careful uh, towards the users. So we're driving uh, something we call data transparency policy, um, which we have in all our contracts to, with all the OEMs, where you as a uh, developer for a specific uh, headset, uh, you need to uh, and ensure that if you store, uh, the users' uh, eye tracking where they've been looking, or transfer and then transfer the data. You need to alert the user that I'm doing this. Are you okay with it? Um, so it's kind of in line with with general transparency uh, implementations that is happening in in a lot of smartphones and in, in general. And I know it's a, it's a big topic of, of of the the big the big OEMs. Um, so that's one one side of the things: how to safe haven the the, the uh, output from the eye check. And then when it comes to uh, the biometric data in terms of images and 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 um, the raw sensor data, basically, that is terminated uh, down very far down. So we 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 don't have open interfaces for 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 eye images, for example. And that's also something that we. Both to contractually, but also by design. So, so uh, we and in Open XR, there's no plan to 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 drive uh, more images or anything like that, raw data from any eye tracker. So that's something that 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 is kind of uh, blocked uh, in 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 Open Open XR. Um, when it comes to uh, industrial um, Engagements. We have, for example, at the last ARVR association event, we have our our CEO Henrik Eskelson uh, had a had a speech about uh, privacy and transparency uh, and eye tracking. Um, uh, So we we're driving that together with with um, with the industry to ensure that uh, the eye tracking data is treated properly. Uh, this is of course not only eye tracking it can be any kind of sensor data that comes from other uh, other aspects as well so it's it's uh, we drive eye tracking but from the bigger picture um, the transparency part when it comes to using uh, also AI and, and kind of harvesting different type of sensors that that's need to be managed on top of what we do
0: yeah and I guess the other question I have is since that, sensor data isn't being accessed by anything and doesn't really have a path outward. Um, are, there, are there some forms of encryption that are occurring to protect that data? Um, I'm, I'm kind of curious because, you know, it sounds like you guys have done a good job of keeping it out of people's hands, um, but is it also encrypted as well or does it sit in an encrypted method?
1: I mean, you need to encrypt if you send it over kind of a, 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 a wire or or where you can access or or sniff it. Uh, our strategy is to not send anything over wire or or to be able to sniff it. So we terminate it in the, as deep down in the silicon as possible. Okay. Um, so 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 that is that is the approach. We we don't, for example, uh, send any sensor data raw sensor data from the device. Mm to host, to to, to do uh, eye tracking computation on a host, we always terminate it at the device as close to the sensors as possible. So so if we weren't, then we absolutely would need to encrypt, uh, but, but uh, we don't encrypt unless we send data out of the silicon, so to say, or went out of the safe zone of the silicon.
0: Okay. And that sounds like a, a form of best practices when it comes to eye tracking and privacy um, are there any other best practices you guys are doing when it comes to eye tracking privacy and security?
1: It's the data on transparency policy which is more treating the the, 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 the processed data uh, and then we we, we, we don't have uh, a developer for, for an uh, OEM device never have access to any images.
0: Okay perfect and I guess you know, now that we've ta- covered the the, the difficult uh, topic of privacy and security, uh, do you think that there's a time frame when we can expect to see eye tracking in consumer headsets? Um, considering the fact that we are, um, you know, we have tons of them in enterprise headsets today, but the consumer headset seems to be the next step.
1: Yeah, and uh, we believe it will be next year.
0: Wow, that's very soon. I'm very yep. excited to hear that. <laughs> and I, I guess to kind of wrap things up, was there anything else that you think that people should know uh, when it comes to you know eye tracking specifically for consumer or even eye tracking in general that maybe um, might be a common misconception or you know something that that you'd like to talk about?
1: I think one last thing is uh, if any developer is listening, especially consumer application and game developers, uh, eye tracking will be deployed, uh, we think, uh, next year. And there are devices right now that you can start developing consumer applications. I mean, there's Pico Neo 3, there's uh, HP Omnicept Edition, there's uh, HTC uh, Vive. So, so, So I think that's kind of a call for action for for you guys that uh, if you are believers in eye tracking it will be around very soon in consumer headsets as well um and uh a lot of things is also happening on the ar side it will not come soon for next year but but right now you can actually build decent ar headsets with more or less existing subsystems so that's also something that has been very very um uh, a very big change the last year but uh VR is going consumer with respect to eye tracking for sure.
0: Great, that's very helpful. And you know, now people know exactly which headsets to get if they wanna get down into uh, developing uh, eye tracking in VR. Yes. Awesome. Well, that kind of wraps up our, uh, our discussion around consumer eye tracking. Uh, I wanna say thank you very much for joining us. Um, and we hope our viewers and listeners found this week's topics interesting. Uh, if anyone out there would like to provide insights on a specific XR topic for future podcasts, please reach out to me on social media. Uh, I'm at Sag on Twitter. Uh, I want to say thank you very much again to Johan and Toby for joining us this week. And I we you hope you friends. have a great weekend and please tune in again next time. Thank, thank you. you. Thanks a lot.